listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. I've decided to title the sermon this morning, The God Who Sees. It's something that Hagar actually does. She names God, or she refers to God as the God who sees. This is part of the Genesis story that we've been looking at the last several weeks. We started with the creation story in the Imago Dei, and then last week, uh, Chris spoke to us, and he spoke about the promise of the birth of Isaac, whose name means laughter. And he was able to kind of explain to us the ways in which the art of laughter, holy laughter, is something that we can participate in. But um, it was such a wonderful message. I would really encourage you that if you weren't able to hear it, that you might kind of go back and listen to it uh, or watch it. Today, though, we're going to be looking at this text where Hagar and Ishmael are exiled. This has happened kind of after the birth of Isaac. It comes in Genesis uh, chapter 21. So Sarah gives birth to the the promised child, right, to Isaac. And um, on the eighth day, as was their custom, he's kind of presented to the Lord. And Abraham throws this big party, this feast to kind of celebrate Isaac's Isaac's birth. And on that day, uh, Sarah sees Ishmael playing with Isaac. So Ishmael now would have been about 14 years old. And she sees it, and it troubles her. And she's concerned. She's concerned that this other son of Abraham might at some time be in competition for Isaac and his inheritance. And so she goes to Abraham, and she says, you have to get rid of that kid. You have to get rid of that slave girl's, get rid of the slave girl and her child. And so Abraham seems reluctant in the text. He seems concerned. He's concerned for Ishmael. I mean, Ishmael was his son. But God speaks to him and says, it's okay. You can do what Sarah is telling you to do because Isaac is the one through whom I'm going to fulfill my promise to you that your descendant is going to be this nation and through that nation, I'm going to bless the world. But then God says, I don't want you to worry about Ishmael because I'm going to bless him too, that he's going to be the father of a nation. Now, that's a promise that God had already given to Hagar earlier, but he he repeats it now to Abraham. And so Abraham calls for Hagar and for Ishmael, and he gives them some bread, and he gives them some water, and he just kind of sends them out, which would have been a horrific thing in the ancient world to be sent away from your tribe, to be sent away from your your people. And so they're kind of wandering in the desert. They're out there in the wilderness. And of course, it doesn't take very long before they're out of bread and they're out of water. And they don't have many prospects. Uh, Things aren't looking good. In fact, the text says that uh, Hagar just kind of throws her child under a tree and she walks away about the length of a bow shot, as as far as you would shoot a bow and arrow. And she sits down and she says, I just can't take it. I cannot stand to watch my child die. But then an angel speaks to her 
And he calls her by name and he says, Hagar, I want you to know that that God has heard the cries of your child and that that things are going to be all right. But before we kind of finish that uh, part of the story, I'd like for us to back up a bit and get some of the backstory. Who are these people? And, and what is it that we can kind of learn, learn from them, from their story? And why is it kind of included in the scriptures that we now have? The first time that we see Hagar is in Genesis chapter 16. And what we know about her is that she is a slave. She's a slave girl and she belongs to Sarah, uh, Sarai, as she was called at the time. And we know, too, that Hagar was from Egypt. Now, this the narrator has told us because we never actually see Sarah refer to her by name. So Sarah owns this slave girl and she makes the decision that she will gift her to Abram, to Abraham, her husband, which we need to stop and kind of think about that. I mean, the gifting of a slave girl to become a wife for your husband. In today's vernacular, we would call that sex trafficking, that you you own this slave and you're going to sell her so that she can be used sexually by someone else. It's a horrific story, really. And things don't go well for Sarah because she, she gives her quote-unquote slave girl to Abraham Abraham receives her, it says, as a wife, and then Hagar becomes pregnant. And when she does, it's, the text says that she looks at Sarah with contempt, and Sarah can't quite take it. And so she goes to Abraham, and she says, I'm not going to put up with this. This slave girl who's you know, bearing her child is looking at me with contempt, and Abraham is like, whoa, wait a minute. Don't blame me. She's, she's your slave. Do with her as you wish. And so Sarah pushes her out. This is kind of the, the first time that, that Hagar gets exiled. And so she's, she's young and she's pregnant. And now she is, uh, this is before what we're talking about. She's again um, exiled. She's, she's in the desert. And the angel of the Lord comes to her. And calls her by name. So again, the narrator in the story has told us who she is. But no character in the story has called her by name. And that's exactly what the angel of the Lord does. The angel of the Lord says, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai. Which I think is interesting because for multiple reasons. One, she's not initially identified by her station in life. And then we get her name. But rather, we get her name. But then the angel of the Lord also acknowledges her station in life. And the question comes to her, where are you from? Where are you coming from? And where are you going? And she speaks up and she says, look, my, my, my owner had, had it out for me. And so I'm on the run. And, and the angel of the Lord says a couple things to her that are really, really amazing. There's a promise that she receives that her descendants 
her offspring will become a nation, which in the ancient Near Eastern world, that's, that's phenomenal. Women didn't have descendants. Men had descendants. And, and women were just, you know, part of the, the process, obviously. But that's not the culture, right? You didn't talk about the descendants of a woman. Yet this woman, this woman who was the slave, is promised that she would have descendants. And then she's told that this child that she's bearing, that she will name him Ishmael. Once again, the naming of the child is not something that typically would would, uh, belong to the woman. But now she's getting kind of both of these promises. This promises that, that she will have an offspring, or that her offspring will become a nation, and that uh, she, can name, she can name her son. And that's when Hagar refers to God. She says, I will call this God who speaks to me the God who sees. The God who sees. It's, it's a metaphor that gets used elsewhere in Scripture too. In fact, later, and we'll talk about this some next week, when Abraham takes Isaac to Mount Moriah, and there's that whole binding of Isaac where Abraham almost sacrifices Isaac. Abraham calls that place, uh, the Lord will see. Uh, it's, we often translate it as Jehovah Jireh, uh, God the provider. And here, Hagar, she's using a different word for God, but she's referring to God as the God who sees. And this, this idea, I think, comes to us in a couple of ideas. It is that idea of provision, that God sees, that God provides. If someone asks me to do something for them and I said, I'll see to it, it means that I'll make sure it gets done. And that, that seeing it is knowing it and knowing it is, to, is to, to provide for it. It's not just kind of bearing witness to it, but it's a, it's a promise that, that things will get done. But there's something else I think is also happening here. And, and I, I heard a sermon on this a number of years ago from, from my uh, seminary professor, uh, Dr. Cheryl Bridges-Johns. And, and she made this kind of beautiful point here that we all long to be seen. We all long to be known. Like at the very depths of who we are, we, we need this. And, and Chris was talking about this last week too, that... There is this fragility that we have that needs to be interrogated for sure. But there are wounds that lay, behind, that lay beneath all of that, that represent kind of this experience that we've had that might cause those, those fragility that, that does need to be interrogated. And it's at that depth of who we are that I, I think speaks to, to our message a couple of weeks ago as we talked about the image of God, about being an image bearer, about being a human being. Like, this is who we are. And this is how I, I think it's important that how we see things, right? It's not left versus right. It's not this political group versus that group. It's people versus the virus. It's not like those who, who are for justice or those who are for mercy. Like, it's people. Like, we're for people. We're against brutality. 
We're, we're against um, people being mistreated. We're against slavery. Uh, we're against slave girls being trafficked. And we are for a God who sees us in the same way that, that God saw Hagar and said, look, tell me where you've come from and where you're going. Look, know this, that you're going to be blessed and your child's going to be blessed. Now, that promise of that blessing was not being realized just a few chapters later. So all of that started in chapter 16 of Genesis. But by the time we get to chapter 21, this other child, Isaac, has been born. Sarah has now kind of once again protested, and Hagar has once again been kind of kicked out, now with her you know, teenage son. But even in that time, it says that God opened her eyes in the desert, and she saw a well that she had not seen before. And so from that well, she took water and she gave it to Ishmael and he grew strong again. And his, he, he would end up getting married and his descendants would become a nation. And they too are descendants of Abraham. And so this is part of what I want you to kind of take away today is that God sees you, that God knows you, that God will be faithful to the promises that, that God has spoken over your life in the past. That God loves you. And that wherever you're coming from, whatever you've experienced in your background, whether that's some blessing or whether it's a cursing, whether it's uh, joy or whether it's some deep wound, that where you're going is a, is a place ultimately of blessing. This is what Jesus will tell us, you know, blessed are the poor. Well, that doesn't mean it's you're blessed to be poor. He is blessing the poor so that they can become something else. Blessed are those who mourn, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. All of that to say that there's a promise, there's a hope, because we serve the God who sees. And I think we need to think that about ourselves. And I think we need to think that about one another, especially about others that we would typically kind of deem very different than ourselves. Brian Stevenson uh, says that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. I want to say that again. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. We don't want to be judged by the worst thing we've done, and we ought not judge others that way either. We don't know where we are in this larger story sometimes. But I, I do know this, and to quote uh, Miroslav Wolf, there is time for exclusion and embrace. And the exclusion is the exclusion of that which is evil. So that we don't just hear a story, even a, a story in scripture, and just kind of read over it like it's no big deal. It's no big deal. You know, they had a slave and 
they decided to give the slave over to a man so he could sleep with her. No. No. That, that's the part of the story we hear, but we don't want to emulate. Right? We want to resist that and say, that was wrong. And it's not simply dismissible because it was some other culture. Culture does not give us the right to mistreat one another. And if we listen to these stories, these scriptural stories, we'll hear another voice, a voice that names the nameless, a voice that sees the one who hasn't been seen, a voice that cares for the child who's dying of thirst, a voice that comes and says, there is an oasis in the desert. There's a well. There's a God. And it's a God who sees. And it's a God who is faithful to his promises. And so my prayer for all of us is that we would experience this revelation that we do serve God who is the provider, that we serve the God who sees, and that his seeing is a form of loving and a form of um, providing and a form of promising a blessing. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for God and I'm grateful for these stories that teach us these things. So Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we might see as you see and open our ears so that we might hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and open our hearts, Lord, that we might receive that which you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.